You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, before we get started on this defensive training camp preview, we just want to note that on Monday morning it was reported that safeties Trey Boston and Jonathan Cyprian were brought in for workouts with the Giants. Uh, neither one of them has been signed as of this posting. We don't know if that's going to happen yet, but... It is something that we should note because it kind of shapes a little bit of what we talk about with the defensive backs later in the episode. And you'll see we do talk about some of the versatility. If you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know we are big fans of Trey Boston. So we think that signing would help out a lot. Actually, in a previous episode... uh, after the minicamp in a mailbag, we talked about what a Trey Boston signing would potentially mean for the Giants. So you can go back and listen to that as we break that down a little bit. And it does shape a little bit about the versatility talk we get into later in this episode. So we just want to note that before we get started. So thank you for listening and hope you guys enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Big Blue View podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how you doing today? Uh, you know, kind of the same as last time. A little hot, a little sweaty, but ready to go. All right. So with that, training camp still just around the corner, about to open. Last week, we started our training camp preview with the offense, looking at one big question for each positional group. Today, we are going to do the same thing, just on the defensive side of the ball, where there are probably a few more questions. We're going to try to keep it to one for each position group, but with just how the way the defense is set up right now, there might be just a couple more questions thrown in. So with that, let's just get started dive right into it we'll start with the interior defensive line and I think the the big question is just what is that rotation going to look like so the Giants have BJ Hill who was kind of one of the breakout players of last year's draft class just of the team in general you have Dalvin Tomlinson who's been on the team since 2017 and then you have Dexter Lawrence who was drafted in the first round the Giants in base are going to use you know, a, a three-man front because they're pretty much a 3-4 defense. Although, as we discussed in the last episode and multiple times during the season, a base is not really base anymore. Only 25% of plays were in base. And the Giants last year in 2018 were only in base 17% of the time, which was 27th. Uh, in the NFL. So they were in nickel 68% of the time. They were in dime or more, which is six or more defensive backs on the field 15% of the time, which was the 12th highest. Their nickel ranking was 14th. So this is a team that is going to likely have a lot more defensive backs on the field than they are defensive linemen and linebackers. So when we think of base, And the three-man front, that only happened on 17% of the snaps last year. So there's going to be a a lot more rotation and probably a lot more four-man fronts than than we are thinking. But 
the question is going to be, what is the rotation going to look like? Because when you think of a player like Lawrence or Tomlinson, they feel like two down type players, but you can't really have two two down players on that line so uh, what is the rotation going to look like who is going to fit in that nose tackle role that's that's going to be really that big run stuffer the you know the Damon Harrison role that he played uh, until he was traded last year and then there's still a bunch of of death behind it RJ McIntosh Olsen Pierre uh, seventh round pick Chris Slayton there are a lot of players and we do know uh, Dave Gettleman has said he wants a, a rotation on the defensive line. I think James Betcher would like a rotation on the defensive line. So I think the big question is how these players are going to be used and how they're going to continually be rotated in. Yeah, you know, I, I think we almost have to change how we talk about defensive fronts in general. Really, a nickel package is the base defense now. And what we used to think of as the base seven-man front, either a 3-4 or 4-3, should really be considered a heavy package and not a base defense anymore. But just what the defensive line rotation will look like, I think Tomlinson will keep the nose tackle job because even though he's probably about 20 pounds lighter than Dexter Lawrence, he's a better nose tackle. He is excellent at playing with leverage at playing with good hand usage and good strength to really control the center and that guard center gap because the Giants generally play a one gap defense. So he would be controlling one of the two a gaps and he's really quite good at that. He's not Damon Harrison, but only Damon Harrison is Damon Harrison. Big snacks is just in a league of his own when it comes to playing the zero or one technique. Just don't compare him to anyone else. Maybe Linval Joseph. You know, the Giants have talked about using Lawrence as a defensive end and in their three-man front as a five technique, roughly. And I think that's the position he plays. He will probably move inside, maybe do a three technique or a two-eye technique or four-eye, one of those shade techniques when they're in a three-man front. But I'm also not sure he plays much more than half the snaps because you know he is a big guy and he's going to need his rest. Hill will probably be the guy who is on the field the most for them. Towards the end of the season after Harrison was traded, he started to see 60-70% of the snaps. And guys who kind of, for, he kind of sort of fits the profile of like uh, Fletcher Cox, Cameron Jordan, uh Calais Campbell, I'm not saying he's that good or that disruptive, but they generally play upwards of 80% of their team's snaps. So I think that's what we could kind of look for for him, to be somewhere between 60, two-thirds and three-quarters of the defensive snaps. He'll probably be on the field regardless of what front they're in. And then from there, uh, we'll just have to see with McIntosh, Slayton, and then how the various edge players line up, because remember last year, the Giants played Lorenzo Carter, Olivier Vernon, Kareem Martin. They played them at defensive end a lot. And they weren't just outside linebackers. Right, that's probably what we're going to see. The 3-4 is something that gets thrown around, but we're going to see more four-man fronts, likely. Or like when we talk to Mark Schofield and potentially the way 
defenses can shift to combat the the modern NFL passing defenses, maybe the three-man lines, and we see like a 3-3-5 or a 3-2-6 with the three-man fronts, either the three linebackers that could probably be, you know, two off-ball linebackers and an edge rusher, uh, and then five defensive backs. That that could be their, their nickel look, and, and maybe we'll see that a little more. So yeah, like you said, how the main three get used is probably going to be big. Dalvin Tomlinson, probably the nose tackle as gigantic as Dexter Lawrence is, can move around a little more. I don't think neither one of us were very high on his pass rushing ability in Clemson, even though he did have a decent pressure rate in his final season. A lot of that also have to do with a lot of the talent that was on the Clemson defensive line around him that allowed him to kind of push through. I think he'll probably see maybe a couple more double teams as he gets to the NFL and probably, I'm not sure, is going to have uh, as easy as a time breaking through. But putting him on the end, Thomason in the middle, and having BJ Hill on the other end is probably how this defensive line is going to look when those three are in a three-man line. Um, if that would be the way I would project it to be and as we see in training camp uh, we'll see if that is going to be uh, the way they do it and if it is that's that's a decent defensive line it's probably not one of the best defensive lines in the league but but it's something that should give the Giants the ability to both uh, play the run and the pass you'd like probably a little more pass rush ability from from two of those guys and Tomlinson doesn't give that a lot the jury's still going to be out on Dexter Lawrence we know BJ Hill who was not really projected to be that much of a pass rusher had that ability last year so maybe one of those two other guys bring through and that's going to get it because there's there's not a lot of other pass rush ability from this defensive line group as we look at everyone who is on the depth chart behind them yeah I do think Tomlinson does have some pass rush ability just based on his hand usage and ability to play with leverage and really work angles and maximize his power to push through those interior gaps but he really a lot like Harrison it's just an opportunity thing for him. It's very difficult to get any kind of a pass rush from the nose tackle position. And if he is the guy they're taking off the field when they go to one of these lighter, faster packages, he's not going to have a whole lot of opportunity to rush the passer. It will probably come of their main defensive lineman. It will, that pass rush will probably come from BJ Hill, who is He's just a lot more athletic than anybody really realized coming out of North Carolina State. And Lawrence, we'll just have to wait and see. He is athletic, and he is massive. So maybe he will just be able to bowl through offensive linemen. That'll probably be a lot harder at the NFL level than it was at the college level. But we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, and so as we talk about the pass rush and where that might come from, that is the big question when we look to the Giants group of edge rushers. Where is the pass rush going to come from? So obviously they traded Olivier Vernon, who was their main pass rusher last year, and even though he missed games with injury, was still by far their most productive pass rusher. Had a high pressure rate, didn't always translate into sacks, but as we've also mentioned many times, I've written about this, pressure 
is is more important than sacks. You would like the sacks, but just getting the pressure makes opposing offenses worse. And Vernon was able to do that. Now the Giants have a group of pretty unproven pass rushers. Right now the Jeff Tar looks like Lorenzo Carter, Kareem Martin, Avery Moss, Marcus Golden, and O'Shane Zimenez. That is not a very proven group. Golden had that really good season back in 2016, but that was 2016 now. We're in 2019. Lorenzo Carter it showed a little bit of promise. Uh, he was still a, bet, a little better in coverage than he was pass rushing, and you know, he, that was not his role at Georgia in college. He was not a full-time pass rusher, so he's still learning this position. If Kareem Martin, who is depth piece, you know, he was he's fine when he was on the field. We'll see what O'Shane Zimenez is. I think both of us liked him, but for him to be like the number two guy, uh, potentially, is probably not the greatest thing for a rookie coming out of a small school like that so so the question is going to be where is that pass rush coming from yeah and the Giants might wind up having to scheme their pass rush which is just it's doable but it is not ideal yeah after the Giants traded Vernon I just kept going back to the first quarter of the season when Vernon was injured and how not good their pass rush was yeah outside of their game against the Houston Texans whose offensive line was atrocious it was not just worse than the Giants offensive line it was a lot worse than the Giants offensive line they gave up a third more sacks and the number of sacks the Giants gave up were by far the most Eli Manning had ever had so that game I think we could probably just set off to the side as an outlier and even though the Giants pass rush wasn't great when Vernon came back it was at least able to generate pressure yeah. At the end of the season, the Giants were about middle of the pack when it came to their pressure rate. I believe Football Outsiders had them at 31.3% pressure rate, which was 16th in the league. Unfortunately, a full quarter of those pressures, even though he only played three quarters of the season, came from Vernon. So without that, the Giants' pressure rate drops to 23.2% which was the second worst in the league, right behind the Oakland Raiders, who had all of, what, 16 sacks on the season? Yeah, and this is is something we have discussed many times. The Giants were good at creating pressure as a team. They didn't always translate to sacks, but the pressure was there. Like you said, it's 16th in pressure rate. They were tied for the second fewest sacks, but 16th in pressure rate. That's what matters. What also matters is and we'll get to this when we talk about the defensive backs, is that the coverage did not hold up. When the Giants did get pressure, they were still 27th in DVOA per football outsiders. And they were 24th in DVOA against when there was no pressure. But the the DVOA with pressure is negative. So obviously they made opposing offenses much worse. And the DVOA with no pressure was was quite high. So there was still a, a huge gap in the effectiveness of opposing offenses, but they were still one of the worst teams in the league at defending when they got pressure. And a lot of that was because the secondary couldn't hold up because the secondary was just not good. So when that happens and, and you get pressure, but it, you can't convert on the sacks, it's not in the edge rushers control of whether they they convert the sacks or not because the ball was just getting out so quickly 
uh, th that's not on the edge rush. But the Giants then continue to completely reshape that position. Uh, they don't have a lot of proven talent, so so we'll see. So last year, the Giants blitzed quite a bit, but probably not as much as they, they would have liked because that secondary was an issue. So they had to rely on the four rushers they had. They rushed for 72.2% of the time is per the Football Outsiders Almanac in 2019, which uh, is available now and you should absolutely go out and purchase. Um, so they rushed four on 72.2% of plays. They rushed five on 16.5%, which was 18th. They rushed six or more on 4.8%, which was 19th. A James Betcher defense is not supposed to be middle of the road in blitzing, but because of that secondary, uh, the Giants couldn't do that. So a lot of it fell on Vernon and the other pass rushers, and they were able to get to the quarterback, just not able to bring him down. And, and that's why the pass rush didn't work. But now we're completely shifting how that equation works this year. And we're wondering if any of those pass rushers will be able to get to the quarterback. Yeah. And yeah, that's pretty much it. The Giants are kind of counting on Carter to make not just a step forward, but a big step forward because he really has to learn the art of being a pass rusher. And as much as measurables and athleticism and physical tools do enter into it, and they absolutely do, you know, there, there are very few top flight pass rushers who are poor athletes. It, that is just not a thing that happens in the NFL. There is also the mental part of the game, knowing how to use leverage, knowing how to use your hands to create separation, the chess match of stringing moves together and stringing rushes together and training offensive tackles to expect certain things at certain times and then working against it. It's almost like being a starting pitcher for baseball. That is a thing that while there are some, some guys who just have a natural aptitude for that, it's also a skill that has to be learned. And the Giants need, need Lorenzo Carter to master that skill and master it sooner rather than later. And then, you know, will O'Shane Zimenez step up and be a steal? He, he does come out with a lot better hand usage and just technique than I think a lot of people were expecting from a prospect almost nobody had heard of out of Old Dominion. And I'm also curious to see what happens with Avery Moss. Yeah, he got on the field a, a little bit as a rookie, and he flashed. He was in on plays when he was on the field. But then he suffered an injury and you know, kind of tailed off at the end of that year. He was on the practice squad all of last year. So he could wind up being a pleasant surprise for the Giants. Yeah, he's someone who uh, certainly has that athletic upside. So we'll see if, if that can continue to go forward. So that kind of brings the pass rush there. Um, so let's move to to the other linebackers, the off-ball linebackers. And I think the question is, when we're wondering if the, the edge rushers can rush the passer and possibly stop passing, we also wonder if the off-ball linebackers can stop passing. And then the question there is going to be, can the off-ball linebackers cover anyone? Well, see, that's, that's where they really struggled oh, last year. Uh, we know Alec Ogletree had the, the five interceptions and the two interceptions returned for touchdowns. And, and those 
those are great. Those are not sustainable. Ogletree is not going to have five interceptions again. A lot of those were, were just through circumstance. But when you look at the at the play to play and watching Ogletree, there's a consistent struggle in coverage. That's been the case with him uh, for pretty much his entire career, going back to the Rams. And so when you do that, and he's the linebacker who's you know projected to be on the field for like a hundred percent of the snaps, and that's what he was when he played. He missed some time due to injury last year. But then when you look at, you know, BJ Goodson uh, has that ability, hasn't been on the field quite as much. But then you get behind him, it's Nate Stupar who struggled when he was on the field. And Ryan Conley, who was the fifth round draft pick this year. wasn't super great in coverage in college. That wasn't really his role. Uh, So you just kind of wonder, as offenses shift to the pass, whether the Giants have linebackers right now who can defend it. Yeah, you know, and I think the question kind of really starts with Ogletree. As you said, as long as he is healthy, he is going to be on the field for the Giants. They brought him in to be their defensive captain. He isn't going to come off the field. And unless he is blitzing... They need him to be able to hold up in coverage. And last year we saw way too often he defended his area of the field almost regardless of whether or not there was an offensive player running through it. We're not sure how much of that was just acclimating to a new defensive scheme or how much of that was him trying to be disciplined or how much of it was just being a tick slow with the mental processing. And it really doesn't matter because the Giants just gave up way, way too much in the middle of the field. I have said multiple times, I'm a big fan of B.J. Goodson, but yeah, I'm not sure how big a fan the Giants are of his. I thought he played well when, he, when given the opportunity when Ogletree was injured, but he was also the linebacker. They took off the field for Tate Davis when they went to a light package. So yeah, maybe he... He'll be able to show enough in camp that they trust him more, but he could also be what be a guy on the roster bubble just because he's not one of their guys. And then for the other guys, you know, can Tay Davis improve? Uh, can Ryan Connolly show a coverage ability he didn't show in college? And also just to the point we kind of started on with fronts and personnel packages, just how many linebackers are the Giants ever going to use at a time? Yeah, so with this standard nickel, it's usually two, and a lot of the times it was. It was Alec Ogletree, and then it was someone else. Sometimes it was Goodson, uh, sometimes it was you know, Stuper, sometimes it was you know, Tate Davis. Those, those three kind of rotated much of the season, so uh, we will see who that second linebacker is, because there's likely just going to be uh, two off-ball linebackers on the field at, at one time. And that second role should be someone who shows the best coverage ability uh, throughout training camp because that coverage linebacker is going to be very important. Lorenzo Carter was kind of that at times when he dropped back into coverage, but if more of the pass rush responsibility is going to fall on him, he's not going to have as many snaps dropping back into coverage. So the Giants do have to find that guy. And I think the biggest question is going to be, who is it? And if anyone is there, because if the Giants are still allowing running backs and tight ends and even slot receivers who go across the middle of the field, which is one of the most valuable parts of the field, they're going to continue to struggle on defense. So so where that coverage comes from uh, is going to be a big thing we need to look for at training camp. Yeah, yeah. I think the hope 
would be that the Giants would be able to find a duo kind of like uh, kind of like the Denver Broncos had back in 2015 with Brandon Marshall, the linebacker, and Danny Trevathan, guys who have that coverage ability, who have the range to match up with running backs and tight ends and really, if not take away the middle of the field, at least keep offenses from exploiting it at will. And in addition to having a an absolute sack artist like Von Miller, having the two linebackers like that really did help free up their defense to get after the quarterback, which was really the strength of their team. Right, yeah, we're just going to see how the, all of this plays out because there's, there's, there's still a lot of moving pieces here. And- With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And then speaking of that, let's let's go to cornerback, where all of the moving pieces uh, have happened. <laughs> uh, there is uh, like two returning quarterbacks from last year. It's going to be Janoris Jenkins and Grant Haley. And then everyone else is new, going to be playing basically for the first time. Sam Beal, who was a third round supplemental draft pick last year, missed all of 2018, is going to be playing this year. DeAndre Baker, first round pick. Jordan Love, uh, fourth round pick. Corey Ballantyne, sixth round pick. So... We have a whole new group of quarterbacks. The question is going to be, are these guys going to be able to to play? Just right off the bat, is someone going to be able to, to step up? We know quarterback is one of the positions that historically has been tough for guys to jump right in and play effectively. So is someone going to stand out there? Is, is there going to be a good second outside quarter who's going to play that nickel? Or what, what's going to happen and how all of that is going to shape out? Just... The, basically, the question for the quarterbacks is, uh, you know, who who's going to play? Because everyone is brand new. Yeah, pretty much everyone except for Janoris Jenkins. And, you know, I don't think anyone's really sure exactly how long he is going to be a giant. Because, you know, if we turn back the clock about, oh, nine months or so, of the Giants' 2016 free agent class... Jenkins was the one pretty much everybody expected to be a cap casualty this year, either traded or just outright released. But he was the only one they kept, which was honestly kind of a surprise. So will they keep him on as kind of the elder statesman coach on the field, coach in the locker room, and hope he can get back to something like his 2016 play level? It's unlikely that he would be able to replicate that because that year was just far and away his best season. But can he at least be better than one of the worst corners in the league? And then, like you said, who who is going to slot in where around him? Right now, it looks like DeAndre Baker is going to be the number two corner, the other outside corner. Sam Beal and Grant Haley and Julian Love are kind of battling for the slot corner position. The Giants have also mentioned Julian Love as a potential convert to safety. So we'll have to keep an eye on what happens there. Uh, personally, I like Corey Ballantyne as a possible safety convert just because of the 
just because of the similarities he has to Bennett Jackson, who actually took to the safety position quite well, his just size and athleticism matched up well. And as well, he had a pretty physical game and so does Ballantyne, at least from what I've been able to find of him. So yeah, that will be interesting to see. And as we've mentioned that that could play a big role in just how the Giants are able to run their offense because you need a solid secondary if you want to blitz. It, that's just the way things work. Right, and that's like we just said earlier, that's one of the reasons the Giants weren't able to blitz in 2018 was because the secondary just wasn't able to hold up. There was not enough trust in those players in the defensive backfield to hold up and allow more more pass rushers. So... You know, we'll see how that goes. And, and like you said, the number two position is going to be big. I think Sam Beal started minicamp there. And then as minicamp progressed, it looks like DeAndre Baker took most of those number two corner roles. So it looks, does look like at least starting in training camp, the two outside corners are going to be Janoris Jenkins and DeAndre Baker. And I think we both liked DeAndre Baker quite a bit. I think he does have a lot of upside there. So we'll see how that translates early. And then uh, you're going to look at at corner. We'll see if the Giants can, you know, if they're going to be very defensive back heavy, which, which they might be, we might see more dime looks. You have 15% of the time they were in dime last year, which was the 12th highest. But maybe with the amount of defensive backs they have and the questions at linebacker, uh, we could see them possibly jump up to like the the 20% and maybe higher. And there were nine teams last year who used dime on on at least 20% of, of their defensive snaps. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Giants there. And some of them were, were some pretty good defenses. Uh, the Chargers were, were crazy, and they were a team that actually is struggled at linebacker of where they didn't have uh, either the skill or the, just because of injuries. They used dime and, and like six or seven defensive backs 64% of the time, which was crazy high. And then Green Bay was second at 41%. So even if the Giants can maybe slide around like 30%, which is what New England did. New England was using dime on 33% of their defensive snaps last year. So I, I actually wouldn't be surprised to see the Giants go that route, whether it's going to be finding ways to get Julian Love on the field while Jenkins, Baker, and Beal are are the three main players, uh, or if it's adding another safety, and maybe that's a way to get Love on the field uh, that way. So I think that can transition into our, our safety question, and I think the big question here and how that shapes probably everything else in the secondary is how the Giants are going to use Jabril Peppers. Oh, I think we both stated that Peppers is probably one of the most important Giants in 2019 just because of what he represents. Uh, a lot of it comes from, you know, he was included in the Odell Beckham trade. He was brought in to replace Landon Collins. Those are two very big pieces of the 2018 Giants. So Peppers has really been played up as like this second first round pick the Giants got in that trade. The Giants have been very high on Peppers. Where he was used best in college was more around the line, kind of that pseudo linebacker, that money backer position, uh, that box safety, even more like linebacker-ish than than a box safety. But in, in Cleveland, he was not used that way. His rookie year, he was 95 yards off the line of scrimmage. The Browns play in Cleveland, I think. I think Jabril Peppers lined up in Cincinnati on some snaps. 
Um, uh, but then last year he he was he got a little better, was moved to uh, moved more toward that box safety role and and improved a little bit, but still some some questions in in coverage, especially in man coverage. So I think how Jabril Peppers is going to be used really shapes everything else. If he's going to be up toward the line, that puts Antoine Bethay back in in free safety, which is which is what he's done in in the past. Oh, well, last year when he was in Arizona, he was more of the box safety when they had Trey Boston. Uh, but in years prior, Bethay was was the free safety while there were more box safeties I- in front of him. And if Peppers is used as the linebacker, maybe the heavy defensive back a look is is what they use, and they use Peppers as maybe that that second or third linebacker. And there's more defensive backs on the field. Maybe they go for that third safety with maybe uh, Julian Love or even you know, Michael Thomas or Sean Chandler. So I think how Peppers is used on the field is going to just shape everything else about that position. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me you know, to see Peppers basically become the Giants' new money backer. He did say during minicamp that he was going to be playing a, a lot of different roles for the defense, which, yeah, on one hand, he is a very versatile player. He, Between his size and athleticism, he does have the ability to line up in a lot of different places. But coming out of Michigan, that versatility was really more of a curse than a blessing because he had a lot of hats he wore, but he never really mastered any of them. When he went to the combine, he he worked out two days. You know, the second one was at his request because he wanted to work out as a defensive back, but the NFL asked him to work out as a linebacker. And just as a safety, he doesn't really have that kind of almost omniscient instinctiveness that you really want to see from a safety where he can diagnose a defense like, you know, like that in a snap and start moving almost before the quarterback knows where he's going to go. And that really neutralizes a lot of his athleticism and shrinks his range down. He was at his best in Cleveland and in Michigan when he didn't have to cover a whole big area of the field and just limited his responsibilities and covered either a smaller zone or was able to go downfield and either you know, play the run or blitz, which he did do a lot of in Cleveland, and I fully expect to see him do a lot of in New York. So I do wonder if the Giants are going to be playing a lot more of the DB-heavy packages and maybe even move Bethay up to that strong safety, box safety role that he had in Arizona last year and then try one of their you know converted corners at free safety, because that would also kind of help hide Bethay's just shrinking range. Uh, just the other day, Matt Williamson did a film breakdown on Bethay, and his yeah his conclusion was that yes, Bethay is still a good player. He still has all of the football smarts you could ask for. Yeah, he knows where the ball is going to go, and he can start moving there, but he just doesn't have the range that he used to, which, you know, after a decade and a half of the NFL, the age of 35, you know, who does? Yeah, I mean, no, I've talked a lot about Antoine Bethea. He's someone I'm still pretty high on. I, I do think he still has that ability to be that free safety. And so, so we'll see. But yeah, there's, there's just 
there's so much that can be moved around, especially with with really this defensive backfield right now is just it, it's a lump of clay that James Betcher can basically form into whatever he wants. And I think that's one of the cool things about what this defense could possibly be. Um, whether that means there's going to be immediate success in 2019, or maybe it takes you know till 2020 when roles are really figured out and and the strengths and weaknesses are completely worked out. But uh, if there's someone I trust to to get the most out of some of these players, it's going to be James Betcher. So, yeah, but just to bring it back, so much of it is is on Jabril Peppers, how he's used, how well he does in that position. If he struggles, then the Giants might have to go back to, you know, more traditional defensive looks, and I think that takes away some of the versatility of everyone else. But it looks like the Giants are going to play around with a lot of the versatility of, of some of these players, having Peppers play up a little more, have Love possibly play safety. Maybe Grant Haley plays a little bit more safety if he doesn't win that that slot corner role uh, that he took over at the end of last season. Um, so there's just, um, and even Bethay has the ability to play deep, has the ability to be uh, that more traditional strong safety. He's played both roles within the past two years. And so there's so much that can happen, and that's going to be what to look for at training camp, really, is where these guys are lining up, how often they're lining up. That's been something we've said about a lot of positions. But I think a defensive back might be just the most wide open of we have no idea what this is really going to look like and uh, how how all of that shapes up during training camp is going to be a, a big part of how successful this defensive backfield can be heading into the season. Yeah, definitely. And it definitely bears watching because defensive backs and corners in particular have one of the lowest rates of early success of any position in the NFL they generally have a learning curve because things just get a lot more complex. They happen a lot faster and the athletes are better at the NFL level than they were at college. But the Giants have such a volume of young corners that they should have at least one, hopefully two, who are able to step up and just kind of give them something to build around and kind of like a shell for this lump of clay defense. Yeah, probably one of the most interesting things that's going to play out uh, in training camp. So uh, I think that's I think that's it. I think we've we've covered all the positions uh, mostly, uh, at least in the extent that we're going to cover them now. As soon as training camp opens, I'm sure we'll be talking about them more and in more detail when things are actually happening. But I think this is a good preview for what we've done so far. So we're going to end this show here. You can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review if you have not. That'll help us out greatly. You can find our work on BigBlueView.com. You can follow BigBlueView on Twitter at BigBlueView. You can follow BigBlueView on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Raptor MKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.